You are listening to Lesbians on Screen, a podcast that looks at lesbian and queer women on big and small screens. This season, we are delving into the global phenomenon of Juliantina. I'm Sheena. My pronouns are she, her. Hi, everyone. Excited to be here. Monica McCowan. My pronouns are she, her as well. And I am a lesbic author and Juliantina superfan and aficionado, I guess, which is why I was invited to be on this podcast. But uh, extremely excited to, to get to relive one of my favorite fandoms that I've ever been a part of. All right. So when we left off last time, we had the educational moment where Panchito told Lupe that homosexuals have been around since the dawn of time and Lupe was like well not my daughter and it was all very sweet from his point of view and very aggressive from hers. We now start with a very unhappy Jules and a very unhappy Val because Val was sort of caught in the midst of this argument. I love Panchito he's so yeah he's just like good guy Panchito and yeah, I like that he's coming to bat for Juliana in this way because they don't really have a lot of scenes like together or bonding. This is just this guy that came into Lupita's life who is from her past that Juliana accepts is there and he doesn't really need to do this because it's pushing a wedge between the two of them. So I think that that makes it all the more powerful that he is willing to put his foot down and defend Juliana in this way. Absolutely. And when Lupe starts going on about how people are going to judge her and it's going to make her life hard, he says, the only thing that matters is that she's happy. And I think that that's so important to remember because it actually doesn't matter what other people think, ultimately. That's not going to make the quality of your life better. And that's unfortunately a very common argument for people who are anti-gay is the whole thing of like oh no they're going to be judged and they're going to have a harder life all right so now we start with today's episode which is Jules is sitting alone somewhere in the garden and she's replaying bits of the conversation she had with her mother where her mother's saying like pretty nasty stuff to her about Val wanting to buy her with her money about how they're going to leave how Jules is so wrong and Jules is just crying gotta tell you it's not easy to cry and still look that gorgeous yeah that's that's a whole motif in this show crying but still looking very pretty it's very confusing for me as a viewer sounds like it is for you as well sheena but yeah they do it really really well and i think the 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 point i take away from that scene which is really just sad to watch is that you feel Juliana's head kind of being filled with all of these ideas that maybe, you know, she worries about, but the scene is just framed on her face and you only hear audio of Lupita's conversation echoing back to her. And it does a very good job of capturing the essence of kind of these ideas that maybe somebody said to you, like implanting in your brain and rolling around and you can't get them out and you keep thinking about them. And I think that that's really important to understand as we get into what's going to happen a little bit later in Juliana's story arc and wondering why she makes the decisions that she makes. I think that in this context and in the, the situation that you're seeing play out now, it makes perfect sense. Her confidence is being 
completely chipped away. She had this wonderful moment with Valentina, but everything here on out is just like emotional whiplash where their moment was interrupted. And then Lupita said these horrible things and Val left, I think, because she wanted to help. But unfortunately, that's kind of becoming Val's M.O. as Juliana sees it, which is leaving or not letting her in when something gets difficult. And Juliana just feels like she's left to kind of deal with these things alone and to figure out these things alone like she's always done. That's actually a really interesting take on it. Okay, cool. I'll be here all week. I'll be here next week, too. We have so many episodes left. (laughs) So we, in this next scene, Lupita and Panchito are again having this conversation. And I really love that the show did this because I think a lot of shows historically, they kind of get flack for doing like a very special episode where they cover one issue and then it's resolved neatly with a bow. Um, And something like this, like changing, you know, what Lupita is probably in her 40s, like changing 40 some years of indoctrinated prejudice or, you know, coming to terms with something you were not expecting, like finding out your child is in love with a woman. You know, we want everything to be all rainbows and butterflies and support right from the get go. But I think that the way they show this journey is really important to see that it's not a single conversation type of thing. It's an evolution and it's a process. And, you know, just think about what Juliana went through when she was coming out and she was trying to figure out how she felt and she was working through her feelings. The same goes for accepting any new idea. And for as much as I dislike a lot of things that Lupe does, I do want to give her the latitude to kind of come to that conclusion. So for as much as I hate these conversations, I think they're very necessary and very rooted in reality. And again, we've talked a lot about on this show, the the director and the writers taking the time to let these situations play out organically versus forcing them. Panchita is getting increasingly irritated with Lupe's silly views on the matter. And he says to her at one point, I know gay couples who are happy. And she just says, no, like straight out. And she also says she's not, (laughs) she's not old fashioned. Oh God, she's a menace right now. And I think it's really, I think it's really funny that in this situation, like, so she and... Jules, you have to remember, are coming from San Antonio. And I guess Lupe must have grown up in Mexico City. But it's very clear we're trying to correlate this to like the United States. Like Panchito has a much more cosmopolitan, like grew up around people, seems to have gay friends. And I think Lupita would be a much better representation of like middle America or somebody that hasn't really grown up with people to understand. So Everything she's saying is coming from a position of, like, just her thoughts on the subject, you know, without ever actually knowing. It's, I think these people can't ever really be happy. I can't wrap my mind around it. It's not only is it coming from, like, a self-centered, and I don't mean that in a rude way. It's just it has to be self-centered because she has no real-world experience to draw on. 
this is just what she thinks about this kind of what used to be abstract idea in her head. And now it's getting forced into the foreground of everything and she has to grapple with it. But she really has like no tools to to understand this situation or to understand how to support Juliana, what it means for her, what it means for Lupe, which is nothing. Get over it, Lupe. But, you know, it's it's something she's grappling with. So then Jules comes in in the middle of the conversation where Lupe and Penchito are like quite heatedly discussing how Lupe's views on the matter are wrong. And she says, I'm sorry that you found out that way. I know there's a lot to process and it was hard for me too. So she's trying to put out an olive branch, but also drawing a line by saying, my feelings are not going to change. And I've made a decision and I'm going to leave. She's giving her mother time to come around, but not a lot of time. Juliana doesn't like to run headfirst into confrontation, but when challenged, she gets very stubborn and does not want to back down. And I think that she realizes, based on her mother's initial reaction, that this is just going to be the same fight over and over again for a while that she really doesn't want to have. And like, she and Val aren't even together right now. And I think that that's also a part of why it makes it so easy for her to just like dip. So she's like, yep, you saw what you saw. I'm not going to apologize for how I feel. I'm just going to leave. You know, you call me when you're feeling better about this whole situation or when you can talk about it. Um, but I think it would, you know, it would be very painful, not just from the coming out and her mom not accepting it, but to have to deal with her mom's questions about she and Valentina when they're not even together. Like, it's still a very fresh wound for her. I mean, I think that's true. She also inflicted it upon herself, but still. But she's doing what she thought was right. Uh, I think she's doing what she was thought was easier. Yeah, but it's not easy. I, yeah, like you can definitely argue like she thinks it will be easier, but it's not easy because she's miserable. Indeed. And uh, I mean, she still has massive feelings for Val. You could see it in the kitchen when they kissed. The two of them are like magnets. They can't stay away from each other. All right. So now we cut to the living room or something in Val's house. Big roaring fire. She's appropriately dressed to stand next to a fire. She's got like a black and orange kind of motif going on which matches nicely the fireplace colors she's wandering up and down and remembering the scene in the pool when they kissed for the first time and there's rain on the windows and it's a very beautiful but kind of sad moment yeah i love that they do flashbacks i never find them to be like gratuitous um i think it really because this is one of those things, you know, the difference between books and film. Books, you can kind of write about the exposition of the character's thought process versus if there's no dialogue set up for it in a movie or a TV show, you don't get to see that insight. So the show does a really good job of bridging that gap by doing these flashbacks so you know exactly what the characters are thinking about. And I appreciate that. I'm a very straightforward person. I don't want ambiguity at the end of things. I don't want to have to wonder, like, just tell me. So she's watching the pool and remembering the first time that they kissed. And this is the first scene we see her in 
after she ran out of the house Juliana is staying in sobbing. So she's still feeling very vulnerable after what happened. But she's remembering the good stuff. She's remembering their first kiss and how sweet and intimate and wonderful it was. And she's got a look on her face that's just pure love. And then she gets interrupted. Lucio walks in and her face just drops. He is the last person she wants to see. And she says to him, what are you doing here? Oh, she's fabulous. She says to him, please tell me you didn't come talk about the saber thing. Ah, oh, Lucio, such a charming human being. He basically says to her that the, her life has become terrible since they broke up and gotten out of her control. I have so much to say about this. The TLDR, screw that guy. The more long-winded answer is he kind of follows the exact train of thought that Ava does, which is that they're both a little bit self-centered and they both have these very narrow prescriptive ideas of what success and happiness and being thought well of in society mean and the weight and importance put on both of them. You know, I talk about this a lot. There's these scenes of the characters as individuals before they ever meet that aren't included in most of the available scenes for people to watch. You really have to dig to find them. But Valentina almost drowns in the pool. Like, that's how she meets Hakobo for the first time and why they have this intense bond. Because he saves her when she's so drunk that she falls in and can't swim. There's also a scene where she has to be, like, put under a shower at school because she's so drunk. Lots of so drunk she can't function kind of stuff, like using alcohol to mask her pain. And now it's just, you know, to the viewer, I think it's like supposed to be frustrating. But Lucho is coming to her and saying, since we broke up, your life is out of control. When really it was when she was trying to fit into this mold and dying as she tried to live up to this expectation that things were worse and now that she's you know following her own wants and trying to figure out things even a little bit you know the Avas and the Luchos in her life are coming out of the woodwork and telling her that this is not who she is her life is out of control because it's not who they want her to be I think that's a universal theme regardless of whether it's a conversation on sexual orientation what you decide to do with your life any number of things there and this was a sentiment echoed a little bit earlier and we were talking about it with Lupe like people kind of want to typecast you as this thing and after a certain point they don't want to let you evolve beyond that because they feel more comfortable with how you inhibit their or how you're in their world and yeah he's just trying to make her feel terrible for growing which is something he probably hasn't done like in an emotional capacity since he was like 10. What I love about the scene though is that she just doesn't even entertain this not for a half a second. She literally says to him, so you're here to tell me that you're my moral compass and that you keep me on track. And as she says that, she juts out her chin. Look at how she's like being coming defiant here. And then he's like, no, no, I didn't say that. And, but you have to recognize that you're easily influenced. And then... He says, and Juliana got what she wanted out of you kind of thing. And she just leans forward, chin out and says, how do you know that I'm not the one that got away with what I wanted? 
which I think is like the best line ever. It's so good. This line is everything. And it, you know, I don't want to be like my favorite line from the show is a scene when Hules and Val aren't even together and Lucho's in it, of all people. Enemy number one. But it's so good. And yeah, everything about it, the way it's acted. And you just, you know, you kind of hear the mic drop. It's one of those moments. And you're like, oh, shit. It's so good. It's so good. You're like, she really said that. She does. And then she challenges him and he just doesn't know how to even respond to that. So he just kind of looks perplexed. Right, because this whole time he's been deluding himself that this is something Valentina was roped into because it makes him feel better about the situation. And she made it very, very clear to him that she was complicit, if not the ringleader of this situation that evolved with Juliana. And she's right. She was the aggressor in the relationship in the beginning, which, you know, more power to her. Now we cut away to what's happening with Jules and she's busy packing her clothing into a bag in her bedroom and her mother's in there and they're at it again, like just arguing. Jules is saying, I didn't do anything wrong. I did what I felt and I will continue to do it whether you like it or not. See, they're having these like parallel conversations, uh, Jules and Fel, because Lupe is saying, what did this girl do to convince you? Lucha is saying, you know, what did she do to convince you? It's kind of like this. They Nobody can, in their lives right now can believe that they could just fall in love with each other without the other one coercing some horrible relationship. Yeah. And Lucho also made that stupid comment about Valentina being easily influenced. Not recognizing that this is the first time she has not been easily influenced. That she has followed her own heart and done what she wants to do. But yeah, they, these scenes are just so upsetting with Juliana and her mom, you know, knowing what they've gone through as people and together to get to this point. And they are just so fundamentally on different sides of, of this conversation. And Juliana finally kind of calls her out. And it's like, you keep saying the same stupid thing. Like, we're not, I don't agree with what you're saying and you don't agree with what I'm doing, which basically gives credence to the whole like, okay, well, I'm just going to leave. Like, this is obviously not something that either of us is going to bend on. So what's the point? Right. And we talk quite a long time about it, but this happens relatively fast. So these conversations are happening actually quite fast in the show if you're watching them. And it's just this bombarding feelings. Okay, so Lupe grabs the the bag and says, you can't leave, you're not leaving. And Jules challenges her and says, okay, so you're going to accept me as I am? And Lupe says, you're my daughter, of course I accept you. And there's a pause for a moment when we all get our hopes up. Oh, is she coming around? And then she says, but I'm not going to accept you doing indecent things. Also, they're playing the pretty music. Like, that's a a mental cue, the score, when something romantic happens between Hules and Valentina. Like, they're playing that score. So the viewer thinks it should be a happy moment, and it's just very, 
emotionally damaging for me and for the characters, but like for me, really. But what that does is that juxtaposes that beautiful sense of love and happiness that they feel against this feeling that, that Lupe is saying that it's wrong. Really hamming home that, that yes, Lupe is on the wrong side of this conversation. Yeah. Jules and Lupe fight over the bag and eventually Panchito comes and intervenes, pulls Lupe out of the room. Oh, as if poor Val was not having a bad enough afternoon. We're back now with Val standing with Lucho. She looks less than interested in him being here. And then Ava walks in. Whoop, whoop. She's having the best afternoon ever. All her favorite people in one room. And it's like so offensive because Ava says, hey guys, sorry for interrupting. Like the fact that she accepts Lucho's presence there when Lucho has laid hands on Valentina, cheats on her, dismisses her as a human being. And, you know, Ava is just so, it's so annoying is the kindest word that I can think to, to describe it. But tell us how you really feel, Monica. I know. Couldn't hold back if I tried. <laughs> anyway, so it turns out that something's up with Guillet. He's been detained by the police. Ava says it seems to be a misunderstanding, but nobody seems to know exactly why. Lucha says he's going to call his father, who's a lawyer. Ava won't let Val come with to the police station, but Val's pretty determined she wants to. All right, I assume this is a little bit later. It's at Val's house. Mateo's sad about something. And Lucia's just hanging around. Like... Because she's got her whole own thing going on, but it really doesn't intersect with Valentina's world a whole bunch, except when they have, like, sweet, almost, like, mother-daughter moments. No, not Lucia. Lucia. Oh, Lucio's hanging around. Well, Val let... He's technically not needed, but now allowed there because he's providing value, which is that his dad's a lawyer and he's called his dad to go help with Guillet. And like, I don't know, you don't get to be like one of the five wealthiest men in Mexico without having a slew of lawyers on retainer. So I think this was a little, so many things the show does well. I think it was a little bit lazy so that they could still have a reason for Lucho to be around. But you know that a company of that size has lawyers on the bankroll. So I don't think that they needed to do that, but it it helped kind of create tension because Juliana is going to go there soon. And they need to find a way for Lucho to still be there to break my poor baby's heart. Uh, so true. Lucia and Mateo, Lucho and Val are all together they're having a conversation it's a random assortment of people i don't think that we've ever seen the four of them in a scene together no and i'm also not sure why mateo is so sad he seems like upset about something doesn't really seem to play into this arc so i don't know what's going on with him yeah i don't know okay so now we cut to jules is busy leaving she's got her bag on her back her mom comes and step, steps in front of her and says, don't go. And and she's crying and she's saying, please understand. We've always gotten along so well and she's, we tell each other everything. 
and she's devastated. Uh, and then, oh uh, man, she falls into the trap of now she's wondering what she did wrong to make her daughter like this. Yeah, she can't see beyond her own confusion and surprise. And, like, this is Lupe's MO for a couple of scenes. Like, starts out, I love you. You're my daughter. You know, this is just very surprising to me. To, I will never accept the indecent things that you do. What did I do wrong as I was raising you? It's just, it's emotional whiplash. Like, every time Juliana thinks they're taking the smallest step in the right direction, her mom follows it up with something that I think becomes even more gutting because she just said something sweet. Lupe is a sour patch kid, but like the opposite. First she's sweet and then she's sour. This is an American reference, I take it? You guys don't have sour patch kids? It's a candy. We don't have most of the things you call candies here. We have UK chocolates and and sweets predominantly. Oh. That's interesting. Also, we call chocolates chocolates, not candy. And we call sweets sweets. And and if we do call something candy, it tends to be sweets. Well, Sour Patch Kids are sweets. Okay. They're like gummies with a sour coating on the outside. So that's why the tagline is first they're sour, then they're sweet. So you kind of like suck off the sour coating and then it's just like a sweet gummy under it. And they're in the shape of like little kids. You know, it took me a long time to figure out that you guys classify chocolates as candy. Well, it's because we don't, I mean, besides like a chocolate bar, just a chocolate bar, a lot of our chocolate is more of a candy because it has a bunch of stuff in it. Like a Snickers bar is chocolate, but it's also caramel and nuts and like a few other things. So like we have Snickers here, but we call them chocolates. We might call them a anyway, chocolate bar. Inter- anyway, that's just an interesting cultural difference. No, you see, if we call it a chocolate bar, it tends to be a bigger bar of chocolate, like a... Right, like uh, lint or... Yes, exactly. Anyway, <laughs> onward, now that we've had all the feelings about chocolate and candy, back to <laughs> Jules and Lupe. And Jules straight up says to her, it's not fair for you to feel guilty about something that you did when... This is not about you. Uh, uh she, so she says so <laughs> annoying. So she says, "Don't go, cause I'm gonna worry if you go." See, sour. Okay, <laughs> sour patch kid. <laughs> but then she turns around and says, "I'm gonna worry even more if you go to Valentina's house." <laughs> oh God, she's being such a. Not nice person. And and then Jules does a mic drop because she says, we're not together anymore because of people who judge how we feel. <laughs> like you. And that was such a beautifully delivered line. And then we just hold on Lupe's face and she just cries. Shame. She's obviously having a moment. And, you know, I feel for her, but honestly, get over it, Lupe. Okay, so now there's lawyery stuff to do with Guillet, and honestly, I'm not that fascinated by this, so if we can just let it run and we can talk about, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because the the crux of this is, and I don't even know how this comes about, I think it's 
GA trying to make his way in the world or whatever gets embroiled in some kind of liquor store robbery and somebody gets shot at the liquor store. Um, so, you know, robbery is bad, but this is worse. So it becomes like a bigger issue. And this is part of Guillet's ongoing story arc that then, you know, Valentina just happens to intersect in for a little while. So it's her being supportive of her family and she gets to have a couple of like peripheral conversations, but really this is not pushing the Juliantina story forward. What is interesting though is uh, Guillet's girlfriend, who we've met once or twice before, is standing off to the side looking really sad and Val actually comes in and talks to her and I think she's been isolated and nobody will let her talk to him and oh and then Ava comes and she starts threatening the girlfriend you can't say anything and she's just being Ava with all the power play and whatever I love that this is just four women in a scene even if a lot of them hate each other well these three don't hate each other no Uh, But I think it's just, it's interesting because from Ava's perspective, Guillet runs off to be with Renata and now he's in jail. So like in her mind, she's right. The the fears that she has about Guillet running off with Renata and Valentina trying to being with Juliana, like they're not unfounded. But also let's not forget that she is like secretly running around with a cartel lord. Ava and having an affair with him. Yeah, I think Ava is quick to judge every anybody who's not, you know, uh, putting on a good show. So Renata saying that, you know, like there was a liquor store robbery, but Guille didn't know that that's what was happening, that he kind of got roped into it. And, you know, that it was just an accident. And poor sweet Val was like, okay, can we go now? <laughs> Like, he just said he didn't know they were going to rob it. Like, let's just get him and go. <laughs> and I love those, like, moments of kind of naivete. She's so sweet. And, and her world is very, like, but he's he didn't mean to do anything, you know? Yeah, he didn't know. So we'll just take him now, right? <laughs> like, one prison cell key, please. You know. <laughs> She's so funny. So now we're back with Panchito and Lupe. And Lupe's all worried. I don't know where she is. I'm worried about her. What if I never see her again? And Panchito's like, you know, she's not a little girl anymore. She'll take care of herself. And I'm not saying don't be worried. Just she'll be okay. This is kind of a non sequitur, but I think it's strange that we never saw the kitchen. And now we've seen it twice in the same day. I don't know if they were like late getting this set designed or something, Um, but there aren't any other scenes in the kitchen until this point of the show. And that's weird for a soap opera. You kind of bounce back and forth between a certain number of sets. And this is like a new one. And there's going to be a couple more that come in late in the game. All right. So now we see what happened with Jules. She's gone back to the restaurant where her mother worked at one point. And she asks the lady if she's got a job for her. And then she's like, the lady who runs the sh- the, the restaurant is super sweet. And, and uh, Perlita wants to give her something to take back to her mom. And she's like, no, no, no. And then it just kind of comes tumbling out that she doesn't live with her mom anymore. Which, again, is just like a very 
good, not lazy way for Juliana to have to share that information because she didn't really want Perlita to know. Um, but this woman being very sweet, you know, Juliana only came there to try and find a job, immediately asked Juliana where she is staying. Perlita offers her a cot that is in the restaurant that she can use until she finds something better. Which is so sweet. Like, she's just really a nice lady. Yeah. And, you know, she was there and saw the the aftermath of Lupe getting kidnapped and everything that went along with it. You know, Val and Hules went to the restaurant at that point. So I think Perlita does have a soft spot for Juliana and all that she's been going through. I think she's just genuinely a nice person anyway, but also, yeah, knows that Hules is kind of going through it right now. I agree with that. We're back at Val's house and everybody's coming in from the police station. And Ava's going on about how Guillet brought this on himself. Val's like, are you serious? How can you even say that? Val and Ava are, are getting into it. Val is saying she misses her father because he would know what to do in these kinds of moments. And then Ava takes it really personally and says, you know, you're complaining about me. I'm doing everything I can. And I get that because Ava is trying to do everything she can. It's not the right thing for other people, but it's not like she's not out there working hard to try and manage the situation. Absolutely. But um, Val even says, you know, it's about the reputation, not about what's actually good for Gia. Lucia stops the argument and says, let the cops and lawyers do their jobs. And the two sisters are sitting there both pouting. It's hilarious. Yeah, I think I love the three of them in a scene together. All have beautiful hair. They're all wearing black, so there's kind of like this continuity. And they're all gorgeous, so. Yeah. Are you good with stopping there? Because then we can continue with this one next time. Yeah, and this will be good because it'll be the next day when we start. Yep. You're listening to Lesbians on Screen. I'm Sheena and I'm joined today by author Monica McKellen. Monica, can you tell listeners where they can find you online? Very socially active online. Uh, just depends on what channel. Uh, so Twitter is my jam. If you want to communicate with me and have the best probability that I will communicate back. So it's at Monica McCallan and that's on Twitter. I do have a Facebook fan page and I have a website www.monicamccallan.com but for sure if you're looking to hang out and engage and chat about stuff Twitter is where you can find me. Thank you for listening to Lesbians on Screen, a podcast that delves into the world of queer women on big and small screens. Join us next week as we continue discussing the global phenomenon that is Julian Tina. If you love this podcast, then rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and help other fans find us.